is not that easy you know like you have to convince yourself you have to get that uh, feeling that you can do it because we we do get used to the zone we live like we do have this comfort zone we don't want to go outside of it like you do get used to your, your bedroom you do get used to your friends your coffee places so it's not that easy that you just want to to go to the other side of the world and like have people speak to you in another language that you don't understand, have different uh, writing uh, system, like different letters that you cannot read. These are all, all challenges, but also it's what makes traveling great. Hey everybody, this is Luca Menares and you're listening to the Solo Female Trailer Podcast the show dedicated to empowering and inspire women to embrace the unknown and travel on their own terms. Through a mix of solo episodes and guest interviews, you will listen to stories and insights from women around the world who have embarked on their own solo travel adventures. Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode. Today we're here with Lafti, also known as Kosovo Girls Travels. And she is from the newest country in Europe and the second newest country in the world. And she has a strong desire to travel the world, but having a passport from Kosovo makes it almost impossible as there are still some countries that do not recognize her passport and or her country as a valid one. So as you might have guessed, the topic for this episode is traveling with a quick passport. So Lafti, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me here, Lou. It's my pleasure. And I want to start this interview by asking you like, what a weak passport is, because most of my listeners are in the United States and they probably hold a U.S. passport. And actually, the U.S. passport is the number seven in the Global Passport Index. So maybe most of them don't know what a weak passport means so can you start by explaining what that is yeah sure um and it's totally understandable that people with an american passport wouldn't know what a weak passport is as uh they actually don't have to think of the passport but for for me and for other people with a weak passport this is a, a very common topic so basically a weak passport is a passport which doesn't allow its holders to travel freely in the world or basically there is a very limited number of countries where they can go without a visa and then there might be a, like few countries that will permit them to travel on a visa on arrival or if they have another visa like a, a US visa, a Schengen visa or a UK visa. Uh, so a weak passport uh, is usually a passport of countries which are maybe having a war going on or maybe are economically not that much developed. Usually it's what is known as third world countries, although this concept is a bit weird anyway, but I'm not going to talk about that. Um, and unfortunately, Kosovo also falls into this weak passport uh, group because uh, on a Kosovo passport, it is very limited where Kosovo passport holders can go to and also there are like a lot of procedures to get a visa and uh, especially for Kosovo as still uh, a disputed country for many of the countries in the world 
that also makes it even more difficult because, as you mentioned, there are countries where uh, Kosovo passport holders are not even allowed to to enter, like India, uh, or countries where it's much more difficult to get a visa. Um, and even currently, like in this in this time, we need a, a visa to go to any of the Schengen countries, which is also very ridiculous, in my opinion, because if we take uh, an example like Pristina, the capital of Kosovo, is only four hours away from Thessaloniki in Greece. But to go there for a long weekend, you need uh, like to apply for a visa appointment and you need to collect a bunch of documents to go to the Greek liaison office and you need to like plan this long weekend maybe two months in advance or maybe three months in advance depending on where they will schedule the appointment so all all these are uh, things which weak passport holders have to go through unfortunately like there are other countries which fall into this category it's Afghanistan for instance like Palestinians also have a very difficult uh, situation to travel on their passport because that is also very uh, weak passport and contested, and also other countries from the African continent, or some uh, probably you know also from Latin America. Yeah, actually, the Venezuelan passport is among is very low in that ranking. And I remember when when I used to travel on a Venezuelan passport, there was always the hassle of not only planning the trip there, but also planning the visa and allocating money to to pay for that visa, which most of the time is not really that cheap. Um, and you have to plan like six months to a year in advance. But um, Lefty, can you share with us a little bit about the story of Kosovo? Because part of my ignorance, I'm not very familiar with their story. And I'm pretty sure that most of our listeners are in as well. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Um, I totally understand. As we have been talking before this recording, there are countries I don't know much about, like in Latin America or in other parts of the world, because... Kosovo, first of all, is a very small country. It's about 11,000 square kilometers, and uh, it has about 2 million inhabitants. So it's it's a very small country. And also, it's not like it's there on, on the news. It, it was on the news in 1999 when the Kosovo War happened. And many people probably have heard for the first time about Kosovo at that time. However, we have a longer history. It goes even like far beyond it. We, we were part of what was called at that time Vilayet of Kosovo under the Ottoman Empire, which occupied us for uh, more than 500 years. And then this this part was also known as Dardania, which also lots of Kosovo citizens prefer to call it now. And also our supporters or fans of our national team in football are called Dardanat, which comes from, from Dardania, so the inhabitants or the citizens of Dardania. We got our independence in 2008, so we just celebrated our 15th anniversary this year. Uh, Kosovo has been recognized by about 100, uh, more, more than 115 uh, UN countries. However, there are still countries that do not recognize it, as still see Kosovo as part of Serbia, uh, which technically is wrong because Kosovo was part of Yugoslavia, which doesn't exist anymore. So it was never part of Serbia. It was part of Forcefully, again, part of Yugoslavia, it was not by choice, <laughs> but uh, we were like not just having a weak passport, we were also a small uh, country, so it was difficult to uh, fight against a big country as uh, former Yugoslavia was. So yeah, we had like the last war we had, it was in uh, 1998, 1999. 
unfortunately, there are still uh, missing people uh, from that war. And uh, during the war, about half of the population, about one million people, were forcefully expelled from the houses. I was personally an IVP, not a refugee. I just moved uh, to a village near my hometown for a few nights. And then my family decided to go back and stay home because... There were many stories that people are still suffering in refugee camps, so our adults decided not to go through that. But there are still a lot of things which uh, depend on, on, the stat on the status of Kosovo. As, as I said, it's still uh, disputed for many countries, and this also influences a lot of aspects in our life, in our daily life as well. Uh, and also, unfortunately, even though we are in Europe, we are quite centrally in Europe, in, in the Western Balkans specifically, but we are almost, not almost, we are actually the last country in Europe which cannot travel freely into uh, its own continent, in, into the EU area. We have been uh, promised for 10 years now that we will get visa liberalization. As far as I know, even Venezuelans can travel to <laughs> Schengen countries on a visa-free, but, uh, but not Kosovo citizens, which uh, doesn't make sense. But this is all political. Um, we have had a lot of uh, attempts to do some agreement for normalization of the relations with Serbia. Uh, currently, the last agreement which uh, took place uh, was in Ohrid in Macedonia between our prime minister and Serbian uh, president. However, politically, it is very difficult to explain all this in, in, a, in a short <laughs> podcast, but there are agreements which are made and then sometimes not signed. So it's legally, some people say it's not an agreement because it was not signed by both parts. Then some other legal people say that actually it is an agreement because internationally there are such agreements that even if it's not signed, they still are legally binding. So I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a lawyer, so I cannot talk Got about it. it. I just know that actually our history is much more complex and uh, it, there are lots of, of good resources that people can, can read and um, learn more about it. And uh, probably the best way to learn more about the history is to visit the country itself. <laughs> Got it. Okay. No, but thank you so much for, for the summary that you shared with us. And if you have any resources that, you know, I can lead people to, I can put them in the show notes. Uh, but thank you so much. As I mentioned before the recording is that, I had no idea about the story of Kosovo and it was until I came to the United States and I started meeting people from that part of the world that I kind of started yeah. getting an idea. But thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. So let's go back to our original topic, <laughs> uh, which was the, you know, traveling with a WIC passport. And what are some, Lafti, what are some of the most common challenges that, you know, you have faced traveling with this passport? Yeah, so first of all, it's a challenge for a Kosovo passport, not, not for a weak passport in general, but for a Kosovo passport holder. It's a challenge that we are limited from where we can go to on our passport. Second, uh, you need a visa. Uh, I need a visa to almost everywhere in the world. There are like a couple of countries where I can go on a visa free. However, some of them are too far away, like Haiti. Like It costs a lot to, to go to Haiti, and also currently it's not that smart to go there. Yeah. Or some other like small islands that we can go on a, on a visa free. But um, obviously it's difficult, first of all. 
Second, it costs a lot because every visa costs money. And uh, sometimes, especially with the Schengen visas, uh, some of the embassies are very um, strict. And not, not even strict, they actually go against the visa code. And they give even like four days visas or five days visas. The last visa I had for a Schengen uh, country to go to was given for five days only. And uh, that's actually like a violation of, of our rights. And also it's a violation of the Schengen visa code because it is said it has to be at least two weeks. The, the shortest visa has to be uh, two weeks, but apparently either they have not read it <laughs> or... Uh, having a weak passport doesn't really matter for for these uh, European uh, embassies. Then another uh, challenge which uh, a weak passport holder faces is going through immigration. Uh, every time I go with my passport through different immigrations, especially in the countries where usually Kosovo people do not go to, I always have to pass like a 10 minutes at least because they have to scan my passport. Sometimes they don't find it. Sometimes they have, don't have the code for the Kosovo passport. And that's the thing that I'm always, now I'm always prepared for that. And especially if I'm in a country and um, like I'm going to fly or something, uh, I'm flying out and it's, I always go even earlier than I should be going there because I know I will always have some issue with my passport. Uh, I, I can talk more about my last trip where one time I had to wait for 20 minutes to get a boarding pass because of my passport. Another time I had to wait for one hour to get a boarding pass because the airline didn't have my my passport in, in their system. So th this is all like uh, a challenge and it makes me think if maybe I should just stop like traveling to, to those countries. Maybe I should just travel to the countries where they know about Kosovo and they have it in the system. However, somehow I'm I'm attracted to these faraway countries and difficult countries. And like and I go to a difficult country with a difficult passport and but I always have a story to tell which is also maybe the, the good side of it. <laughs> just for references, the Schengen countries, the Schengen area, it's uh, most of Western European countries. I just wanted to share that. But then now let's dive into that. Can you share with us some personal stories? And actually, when you say difficult countries, what does that mean? Difficult countries in terms of uh, being far away from here, not having recognized Kosovo, having a different culture, are difficult in terms of getting a visa. Sometimes I, I don't believe in any country being like bad or difficult to travel. You just have to find a way uh, for it. I traveled to Bhutan one of my last trips and like Bhutan is not an easy country to, to go to. But uh, I, I was in Nepal. So I thought this is the, the closest I, I will be and also the, the cheapest because probably, you know, but if your listeners don't know, Bhutan is, is expensive because they have this a uh, sustainability uh, fee for international tourists, apart from some some nationalities. But other uh, tourists, including uh, Kosovo citizens, had to pay $200 per night spent in Bhutan. But also this was another story where Kosovo was in their visa system, but the nationality was not there. So it took me a little bit more time than it would have taken an American, for instance, to go to Bhutan or, or, or a German or a British. But um, but that, that's about the difficult countries, if we can call them. So 
and there are some other countries, for instance, for, for our passports, for Kosovo passports as a weak passport also, that we cannot even get an e-visa. So for some countries, uh, we are not in their e-visa system, so we either have to go personally into one of their closest embassies, or we have to find a travel agency either here or in their country, which will assist us with a visa. In this case, for instance, I'm talking about Malaysia. Like I wanted to go to Malaysia when I was already in in, in uh, Nepal, but I couldn't apply in their embassy there, so I would have to apply in their embassy in Belgrade, to Serbia, which is the closest to my country so i would have to come back to kosovo and then travel to serbia apply there and then go back which doesn't make any sense but that's having a weak passport or um some other country like vietnam which is also e-visa for most of, of the nationalities but for kosovo citizens if i want to go to vietnam i need to find a travel agency here or in vietnam which will help me with getting the visa so the, these are some of the issues of the challenges that uh, people on weak passports have to go through. And I'm not even talking about the financial aspect yet. <laughs> wow. Wow. No, I mean, definitely a lot of challenges and things that you don't really think of when you don't have a quote unquote weak passport. I mean, just just the fact that you have to plan that that ahead of time and for example in the case of Malaysia that you had to go back go to a neighboring country and then get the visa there and then fly back uh, it's yeah. it's too much instead of being able to do it in in their own country for some for some some countries actually also uh, it's like you have to apply for a visa then to go and apply for another visa <laughs> For a period of time, if if a Kosovo citizen, I'm I'm not sure if this has changed now. If if you wanted to go to Japan, then their closest embassy to Kosovo was in Austria. To go to Austria, we also need a visa. So, the Kosovo citizens should have applied for an Austrian visa to go to Vienna and then apply for a Japanese visa. So this is also like it adds more to to the cost. So financially, it's also very difficult. So it's not like weak passport holders only cannot travel freely they also have to spend lots of money to travel got it of course it's like visa for a visa for a visa for a visa so let's let's dive into the financial challenges um i can tell like you know if you have to pay for a visa to get another visa and then travel to to a different country to get the visa that's those are a lot of costs that start adding up so how do you manage that yeah, it, it is difficult, obviously, because, and also in many times, you don't even know if you are getting the visas. It's because it's not for sure that you are getting the visas. So that that's number one. So you are spending so much money uh, because uh, there, there are like birth certificates to, to produce, there you have to submit a work contract, you have to submit also a bank statement for the last three or six months, which is also some uh privacy violation concern there and then like photos and application form and hotel reservation sometimes it has to be prepaid and non-refundable uh, mm. and also flight tickets for for travelers who have gone to like more countries they know that they are never going to buy a flight ticket i don't buy a flight ticket i show them an itinerary because i mean i cannot buy a flight ticket if i don't have a visa and also in, in certain cases, even having a visa does not 
like guarantee you that you can enter the country. I can quickly mention uh, my case with Zimbabwe, where I had a visa and I wanted to go to Zimbabwe. I was in Zambia. I was crossing the border through Victoria Falls and then they didn't let me in and I had the visa. This time it was because they don't recognize Kosovo. However, I got the visa from their e-visa system, their official government of Zimbabwe visa system. But again, so it's, it's like, and, and in that case, I, I had lots of financial loss because I had a flight out from uh, Harare in Zimbabwe. I had to cancel that. I had to buy another flight. I had to go back and spend, you know, it's like all, all these issues because of a weak passport and also in this, in my case, of a disputed passport. So yeah, financially, it's it's not that easy, especially if you have to, to go to another country, which unfortunately, most of these weak passports holders have to do because in Kosovo, we don't have all the embassies. In, uh, in Afghanistan, for instance, there aren't all the embassies. In uh, Nepal or in, or in India or in some other countries which kind of fall in this weak passport category, they don't have all the embassies. So you either have to go to another country or mail uh things like your, your passport and all and that is also it costs money so it's it's very very difficult so it actually you you need to be uh, strong and then persuasive to do it how i do it financially i've been working uh, since 2008 and i have been saving money and all i do is i spend in my travels so actually i i that, that's that's my main source of spending my my travels Fortunately, I've had good jobs, well-paid jobs, so I could have uh, saved a little bit. Otherwise, it's not that easy also to save money, um, especially if you're working in Kosovo with a, with a Kosovo budget salary or in the private sector. It's not it's not super easy. For me, it's my passion. So I, I don't count it as, as spending. I count it as gaining because I do gain from the experience. Although right. I know this sounds as a cliche, but... <laughs> We're all about cliches here, don't worry. <laughs> no, but wow, that's something to admire for sure that you make it work with, you know, you're living there, having a salary from, from that country, which if we're talking about weak passport, I'm pretty sure that Kosovo also have a weak currency. So, um, so it's amazing that not only you have to go through all these hassles to get the visa to travel there and then go to a different country to get the visa. It's like so complicated, but... Wow, you're you're making it happen, and I've been following you for a while, and you are always traveling, which is amazing. And I, not always, but I do try to travel. <laughs> well, since I've been following you, I always <laughs> notice that that you have been posting. I remember for your birthday, you posted like different countries you have been in, into, and I was like, wow, that's that's amazing. I mean, I I really admire that. I don't. You know, for me, for example, to get my Venezuelan passport, I have to either go to Canada or Mexico because there are not Venezuelan embassies yeah. in the U.S. And I was complaining about it. I was like, no, I'm just not going <laughs> to get a Venezuelan passport. But after hearing you, I'm like, OK, I should just stop complaining. <laughs> I'm being so spoiled and just get my passport. But At least you don't need a visa to go to Canada or now that I have now that I have the U, the US passport, I don't. I don't. It was yeah. So anyways, so uh Lafty, um, what do you recommend to travelers that hold weak passports? How do you recommend that they prepare for the trips and to minimize potential issues? It is difficult to to minimize those issues, but not impossible. 
I know having a weak passport, especially if you are at the beginning of, of your traveling, is very intimidating when you go to the immigration officer because you already know that you have a weak passport and you already have that feeling that they will ask lots of questions and they do ask lots of questions. I, I remember when I went to Italy like many years ago, they asked me all kinds of questions. Where you're going? Where you're mm. staying? How are you staying? Who are you coming with? Why are you here? Uh, do you have the hotel reservation? Do you have uh, money? Do you have the bank card with you? Like all, all these questions are and were intimidating at that time for me. Now, after I have been to currently 44, 45 countries, now I know how to how to behave and how to also, not, not an attitude, but I, I know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And also I know I'm, I'm on my right to travel. So even if the immigration officers may seem a little bit uh unkind or maybe a little bit uh ignorant or maybe uh, arrogant I-, I know that after all they will let me go through and i will just try to be nice and uh, uh, normal with them so maybe maybe just this like you have your all all your papers in order and you have all your answers in order don't hesitate to answer right away if you try to think and look a little bit confused they might also think that maybe something is wrong with you so just know that especially if you have a visa already on your passport from that country there is no no reason for for them for for the immigration for instance to to stop you or something because you have already been screened and you have already been cleared to to enter the country but um it's but it's still still an issue for for weak passport holders but i think it, the more they travel and the more they start feeling comfortable with going through through these procedures and then through through immigration and uh, even even the interviews at the embassies. I know those are also very intimidating. Uh, yes. It's like you go to, to the embassy here, most of, especially to the European embassies, you go there and they kind of make you feel like like a criminal, like you, you want to, to escape or something. They ask all these like weird questions. And I've had like at least 10 Schengen visas until now. And I've had American visas and all, like my passport is full of stamps and they still ask me weird questions. It's like, so it's not easy. Like this year I have decided not to apply for any Schengen visas because I just feel like they don't deserve my money and my time and my emotions. So I'm just not applying. I'm waiting, hopefully, next year, visa liberalization for Schengen area. So I don't have to go through the embassies again, uh, at least for, for these EU countries that are part of Schengen. But um, I, I know it is intimidating. Just keep your head high and uh, go through that and feel confident that you deserve to be there where you are and just go according to your plan and, and visit what, what you want to see and, and do what you want to do. That's great. Thank you so much for all those tips. And then, I mean, I definitely like feeling confident and feeling calm too, because usually people, when they have something to hide, they start getting nervous and anxious. But if you have nothing to hide, and if you already apply to that visa um, and you got accepted, I mean, there's nothing to to really worry about. But I definitely um, can relate to to those stories of having some officers being unkind to you or asking too many questions and um definitely it's, it's not fun but it's you know it's, <laughs> it's just uh, i can think of two cases right now that once i was coming back uh through copenhagen 
And then I had two passports at that time, like one valid passport. Obviously, we, we are not allowed to have two passports. But in my old passport, I had the, the valid uh, Schengen visa. And then in my new passport, I had to get because as a weak passport holder, you have to change your passport so often because all the visas and stamps you get and then there is no space. And then the immigration officer was asking me, like, oh, where is your visa? I was like, I'm going home. I don't need the visa. <laughs> like, but the, the the way how she was saying it, it was a bit weird, you know? And mm. then another time I, I was in uh, in Bangkok coming back, flying through Serbia, for which, again, I don't need a visa. The airline uh, employees were asking me for that visa. And I was telling them I don't need a visa for Serbia. They kept pushing it, like, no, you do need a visa. I like, because sometimes you may also face both the airline employees and also immigration officers who are not familiar with mm. your part of the world or maybe the some some visa issues and all. So I had to push for, for my right to travel back home yeah. uh, to Serbia. And then it was even weird because at that time they said to me, the employees, that we are letting you go because you have a UK visa. <laughs> which totally didn't make sense. I mean, and I kept telling them like, no, I am going because to enter Serbia, I don't even need my passport. I can enter there with my ID. But for them, that was not accepted. So I I could come home because I had a UK visa, which was, you know, again, a weird thing. And again, a thing that only happens to weak passport people. It would not happen to to someone on, on the like a Singaporean or or, or Finn or, or German, so <laughs> for sure. And actually, to add to that, I remember when I was a green card holder, um, but I still had my Venezuelan passport. I just remember first showing my passport, and then there there will be some bad attitude towards me. There's like, okay, no, you have to show uh, a ticket that you're leaving the country in X amount of days, or or whatever and then I will also show that my green car and the attitude will be completely different and like man this is so unfair (laughs) this is so unfair but but anyways and also you also said something very important during the last question which was like to get familiar with the regulations I think if you if you know that you're going to go through that hassle it's important to also know what your rights are and what you know what you can build an argument around. I mean, I'm pretty sure that you fought for your right to fly to <laughs> Serbia because you were, you knew the, your regulations and you knew your stuff. Yeah. So it is important. But so for, for a week, for my passport, for instance, we don't have many embassies abroad. So mm-hmm. if I get stuck in a country, it's maybe the closest embassy I have is like two or three countries away or like one or two flights away at least. So it's not like it's it's easy to, to reach out to. So another tips how to prepare when you asked me earlier is that if you know you're going through a country that you might face any issue, the best thing is if you have those regulations printed out. So if you face an issue with flying to, to some country, like in my case, to Serbia, if I had that like agreement or something between Kosovo and Serbia that we can go on a on a ID, then I would have just shown that to the employee of the airline. But in my case, I didn't have that, so it was like my word against their word, <laughs> and, mm. and it was especially for for Kosovo. It's not easy to find uh, all the information uh, online or something. All, all these developments and things change like very very quickly. So it's not like 
they, they keep being updated because also it's not that many Kosovo citizens travel to, to those countries. Usually Kosovo citizens travel in, the, in their neighboring countries because it's visa-free or to their relatives in, in, in the EU. So it's not like we don't have the, the tourism yet in, in a big numbers. Obviously, there are individuals that do travel, but in, in a mass, we still either go to, to Albania or Montenegro or Macedonia because these are the closest and visa-free, or we go and visit our relatives in, in the EU. So having those uh, regulations or rules uh, printed out, <laughs> although... I am against printing. <laughs> it's better to, to use the electronic ways. But for, for some countries, especially, they, they want to see everything in a piece of paper. So so let's be prepared for that. I'm just yeah. I remember my last trip to Mexico. I there were like some people in front of me that were from Colombia. Apparently now the Colombians have to show some documentations when going to Mexico. And these people were traveling with these very thick, fat folders full of documentation. is. Do you have to do that as well, to just carry the fat folder with all of the things? <laughs> uh, I used to do that. I mentioned that trip to Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had all those things printed in Italy. I had my flight ticket printed. I had my hotel reservation printed. I have my invitation printed. I, I have all these things printed at that time. Now I don't. When I was living in, in South Sudan, in Africa, I also printed a lot because unfortunately most of the African countries where I traveled to, they want to see things in printed form. Like I was even like I was reading in preparation for my trips and I was talking to people. So even the visa itself, it's always printed. That makes sense. But even the payment for the e-visa, I had to print it out. And so because they want to see that. Uh, in, in the case of Zimbabwe, they checked my e-visa and then they were not believing it's a it's an original visa. So they asked me, OK, where do you have your your payment receipt? So fortunately, I had the payment receipt but because by that time I learned that I had to, to print out everything, which I don't do in, in my European trips or, or even in the Asian trips I, I do. But in like, for instance, in those African countries, I had to print out everything and have everything ready. So it's... Um, so yeah, sometimes you you do have to be ready for that. Got it. And okay, so and for someone listening to to this episode that holds a weak passport and has to apply to many visas, what are some tips that you can give to that person about increasing their probabilities of being approved? Uh, so one, if you are at the very beginning, or maybe the one of the best ways is to find some some trainings or seminars, something that you have to do instead of going as, as, a, as a tourist, especially if you are from a weak uh, passport holder, because there is always this assumption. It feels, I, I, I don't work in an embassy, but I feel like they always have this assumption that people want to use a visa and stay in their country, which I think is wrong, because if someone wants to uh, migrate elsewhere, they will do it in an illegal way. They were, they're not going to wait and go through the embassy and, and give them your, your fingerprints and everything and then <laughs> escape. I mean, but again, to go back to, to being serious, it's like uh, find some training which falls within your area of interest because that is another, it's a two-in-one. You go for the training, you can also visit the country and then you have a visa. So like find a way like that, some exchange programs, some training, some conferences, 
maybe some group travel initially because as a group it's easier to to go than uh, as an individual for the visa visa purposes another thing is having a, a visa of the us uk or a schengen visa helps you to go to other countries also and on a visa on arrival and it, again it depends on the passport so not for all passports but like even for Kosovo passports, I went to Mexico on a U.S. visa. Otherwise, I cannot go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Or I, I'm planning to go to, to Canada on a U.S. visa again, because otherwise I would have to uh, apply for a Canadian visa as well, which I don't want to do. So sometimes having a, a visa of the U.S., you can also go to other countries on that visa. And then once you have more stamps and once you have more countries visited, it, it gets easier for for the other embassies to to grant you a visa. Although, unfortunately, it again depends where you are from and from the processes in your country and from the political and economic happenings or developments in your country. So even if you are like, sometimes I feel like there are people in Kosovo who maybe are richer than, than those people in the European Union and they still cannot go in and travel there. And sometimes, there have been cases when artists even being invited by European institutions themselves could not have gotten a visa. One time there was this artist, I don't remember in which field, he was chosen as the European of the year, something like that. And he couldn't go to get his award because he couldn't get a visa. So it's like, wow. it's, it's crazy stories like these. And then sometimes they just make you feel like, yeah, this is not worth it. <laughs> I'm like, I'll just go and explore Turkey where I can go without a visa. Or I'll just go and explore all of Albania or Montenegro, you know, like, because it does feel bad that you're wasting your money and you want to go and explore that country and spend your hard earned money in that country. And they still don't let you go. So but if you if someone gets uh, some training, some exchange, some conferences, then the chances are higher to get other visas in the future. Got it. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, traveling is such a luxury, and we just don't realize that. And one of the main reasons I don't believe in country counting is because how you cannot apply that to all nationalities because it's. For some countries, for some citizens, it's so difficult to travel uh, just because besides of going through all those hassles that you have mentioned throughout the episodes, it's also the, the financial part. And then also dealing also with the, with the officers that if you get very badly mistreated on your first trip, you probably wouldn't want to to go through that again. And I know from my personal part, I know that if I was still in Venezuela, living there, making money in the Venezuelan currency, probably Colombia will have been the farthest I will have gone. And it's because I'm in the United States that I can go farther. Also, reason why stories like yours are pretty inspiring because you are making it work. And <laughs> no matter what, you're just making it work. So, um, I mean, thank you so much for everything you have shared with us, Lafty. And just one more question for you, and is that what would you say to someone that is dreaming of traveling the world, but like things are not really on their side, either weak passport and or a weak currency, or just you know, not that confidence to to go after and overcome those obstacles? 
What do you say to that person? Um, marry a rich American guy. Okay. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I well, yeah, that's a shortcut. <laughs> that's the shortest way, but no. Uh, <laughs> um, on a serious note, um, I, I know it's not easy. <laughs> I know it's not easy, but it's not impossible. Uh, I, I do believe to, it's to travel or to reach the or to marry the American <laughs> guy. I think probably traveling is easier than marrying the rich American guy. <laughs> uh, no jokes aside, um, it's it's not easy, obviously. But I I think everybody should start small. Uh, start with the with the neighboring countries because also to like some people do have the, the advantage they have a strong passport but they don't travel because it's traveling is not is not that easy you know like you have to convince yourself you have to 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 get that uh feeling that you can do it because we we do get used to the zone we live like we do have this comfort zone we don't want to to go outside of it like you do get used to your your bedroom you do get used to your friends your coffee places so it's not that easy that you just want to to go to the other side of the world and like have uh, people speak to you in another language that you don't understand, have different uh, writing uh, system, like different letters that you cannot read and or like have have the the, the traffic come in the other in the opposite way which you are not used to or or have people living differently from from what you are accustomed to. It, these are all all challenges, but also it's what makes traveling great. So to start small, start with not even maybe in your neighboring countries. I, I know so many people who have not even explored their own country. Like even Kosovo is, is super small. It's about, I said, about 11,000 square kilometers. And there are probably there are places I have not been there yet. So it's like no, not main cities, obviously. I think I have been to all uh, Kosovo municipalities, apart from some in the north of Kosovo, which is not always uh, safe or smart to go because of these political uh, tensions between uh, or made by by, by Serbia. But um, you start small. You start maybe do a solo trip if you want to travel solo. Obviously, not everybody likes solo traveling. But you do go to the other city, or if you are in in the U.S., you go to the other state, and you you do spend one day or two days or or some or a long weekend, but. Then you start a little bit of traveling in, in the neighboring countries because traveling is not is not only about going to the other side of the world. It's not only about going to these fancy places where everybody goes to. Like there are so many people that love going to Paris. I've been there. It's it's okay, but I wouldn't go back. I mean, it's like it's like it's fine. You go once, you see it. Okay, j'aime uh, Paris, but then it's it's all. I think some places are are made to believe that they are super cool and you have to go there i don't believe in those like you said you don't believe in counting countries i do count countries because it's a challenge on a kosovo passport but i don't believe in those hundred things to do before you die those hundred things are very subjective my hundred things might be totally different from your hundred things my one of my hundred things can be maybe just go to one of the places in Kosovo and do something there like which might seem ridiculous for someone else or or, or thing that maybe I don't like to do or one of the things for me has been doing skydiving which I did near Chicago but for someone might not be the, the case so it's like don't, don't follow those 100 things follow your 100 things or 50 or, or 5 it doesn't have to even be 100 I think 
unfortunately we do get so much influenced by uh, by social media and people think that they all have to be the same they all have to to go to the same uh, places or or museums or 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 anything like personally i i don't go that much to museums i go to very specific museums which are special but i don't go to every national history museum of every country i visit I don't want to. <laughs> For me, it's like going in a, in a small coffee shop in, in, a, in a neighborhood I get lost walking to and then just sitting there and having whatever locals are having. So it's not about having that list and then just like ticking off the boxes because then we, we become like like robots. And that's not, I, I believe that's not what traveling is. I think traveling is going out there, getting to know the culture and the people and just doing what what people are doing maybe although i i understand you can never truly fit and i have tried that in my two visits in in bangladesh no matter how much i try to dress as locals do and all i just cannot fit but it's it's understandable yeah that you come from a different culture you cannot fit but at least you you do go there and and explore my 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 family jokes with me they say you have a friend everywhere in the, in the, in the world which kind of uh, is true like recently two friends of mine that i had known separately met in kabul afghanistan so that was like like oh two of my friends are in the same location and they meet by chance so it's like i have friends even in kabul like what, what can i do <laughs> because you you get to meet someone and then you meet some other people and you talk and then you you exchange ideas and i think the more the more you travel, the more you want to travel because you you learn something new and then you think like, oh, I have to go there also. But again, this is not the same for everybody. It, it shouldn't be the same for everybody. Just do do you like if if you whatever you like. Some people just travel around the world to do one specific thing. Maybe they want to dance in, in some festivals. Maybe they want to see specific museums or or just learn language. So it's what you want to do, not well, not what is there on, on Instagram or. Yeah, it all comes down to understanding that we are all individuals, meaning yes. that we have our individual dreams, desires, aspirations, and it's so, yeah, it's so easy to to fall into the social media trap, the mainstream trap, and be like, oh, you know, um, you see a, tra- a travel influencer profile, and you think that you know to travel mm-hmm. you need that long dress flapping everywhere like no <laughs> i just start comparing yourself and it's like no exactly I mean, go to santorini and get that flying dress and then take some shots and then and then meet no greek person ever <laughs> like nice pictures good photo shoot but it's a matter of of uh, style maybe it's a matter of wishes maybe some for some maybe maybe and and that's perfectly okay, right? So, like, if that person, like, her desire or his desire is to do that, perfect. Like, I know that I understand for me is more understanding and getting in contact with the local culture. And that's my personal desire, you know. Mm-hmm. So, thank you so much for sharing that because, yeah, travel is not just going to the other side of the world. As you mentioned, it can be going, it can be to go to a neighboring city or doing a specific thing. Like there's even this girl that actually she, um, I have to look her name, but um, what she does is that she dances in every country she visits. Good. So (laughs) you just got to find what is that thing that 
makes your heart beat and that desire that you want to accomplish every time you travel. So Lively, it was an absolute pleasure having you here with us. And for anyone that is listening to this episode that wants to get in contact with you, where can they find you? In all social media, <laughs> I, I'm more active on Instagram. Uh, they can find me as Kosovo Girl Travels. Or if they search Lavdi, they can also find me there. I use the same handle on uh, on Facebook. I have my travel blog under that, kosovogirltravels.com. Um, so the, these are the main ones. I, I have the other ones like Pinterest and all, but I, I don't really use them that much. Only when I when I have so much time and kind of get bored of doing other things. Uh, but yeah, Instagram, I, I post more there. I'm not an Instagram face. <laughs> I have my own style kind of a thing. I, 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 don't fo- I don't follow the trends, unfortunately. So maybe people will not really like what I post there. But I try to always, every picture I post has some sort of my feelings and my story of, of that place or, or, or of the activity I, I have done. So, yeah, if they want to, to find me uh, under Kosovo Girl Travels uh, in all social media, basically. That's awesome. <laughs> I will make sure to leave the link to your socials in the show notes as well. Yeah. And, I mean, thank you so much. And thank you so much for everything you shared with us. Thank you so much also. It was my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>